0: Good morning. The attire has changed a little bit in our church. I walked by two guys out in the hallway. They looked like they just came from the Middle East, and they they yelled at me. <clears throat> I've been to the Middle East twice, and uh, they they need some help. That's for sure. Um, but uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, We are in 2 Thessalonians, right-hand side of your Bible, and uh, we are looking at uh, this little book. We've studied First Thessalonians, and if you've missed any of those messages, communitygospelchurch.com, you can go ahead and uh, click on the messages tab and get caught up if you want. We have two messages left, actually, in 2 Thessalonians, um, and then next week we're actually pausing Uh, to celebrate baptism. And baptism is a great Sunday here at Community Gospel. If you have uh, friends, loved ones, uh, that have not understood what it means to... Uh, be a follower of Jesus. Confess with their mouth and believe upon their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That would be the Sunday to invite somebody to church. Now, if you do uh, feel so inclined to invite somebody to church, would you do me a favor and not just invite them to church and then leave them here? In regards to just letting them kind of uh, wander and and have questions that are unanswered, um, by all means sit next to them, explain to them what we're doing, why we're doing those things, and then would you take them out for lunch or bring them to your house for lunch and then have a conversation and just uh, talk about what did you see, what did uh, you think, what were things that were going on. It's funny how many people will invite somebody to church and then we just let their imagination run wild. And it is our opportunity and obligation as we invite people into the fold, what it means to become a child of God to explain to them what we're doing. So on the slip even, you will see uh, that we have all of our order of service. This is a great time for you to explain to somebody what we're doing and why we're doing it. So uh, that, is, that is something that is huge for our people. We are called uh, to teach one another, and that's, that's part of that process. Um, I approached this, uh, this message this morning a little bit um, uh, hesitantly because um, it feels like that I am, am preaching to the busiest church in America. <laughs> if you go to our website or you look at what we are doing, there's, there's just so many things that Community Gospel Church does. And then we got to this part of uh, the message, and, and I thought, I, I don't think our church is lazy at all. I think, as a matter of fact, we're, we're very diligent. The question that I have on the table as I speak to you is, are we diligent for the right things? Are we doing the right things in regards to what God wants us to do? Um, J.C. Ryle, who is one of my favorite Puritans, said that many would like the glory, but have no wish for grace. And many people want the wages, but they don't want to do the work. Many people uh, want the harvest, but not the labor, the reaping, but not the sowing, the reward, but not the battle. We come into a relationship with God through faith in Christ. We realize it's going to take some work. This is not a faith that we just sit and consume. This is one that we also contribute to. And while believers are often excited about the idea of Jesus coming back, we've been talking about that in the text, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, few people pay attention to the problem of the lethargicness in waiting for the second coming of Christ. Somebody asked me earlier this week, they said, what is the mission of Community Gospel Church? And I said, well, we make Christ known near and far. And we do that through various outlets and things like that. I said, but really what I'm learning from watching, is that we are helping people who are supposedly Christian come to a relationship with Christ because they have accepted Christianity in regards to the fact that it's put them in a good moral camp, but they have not declared Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, accepted the fact that he gets every area of their life It's different from having a head knowledge about who Jesus is. The demons and Satan himself believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But they do not populate eternity with Christ because they have not confessed their sins and believed in the way where they have come to a saving faith. Our communities around us have come to a declaration that Jesus, yes, exists and he died and he rose again and he's coming back again soon. But few, I believe, have had heart transformation. And you look at that and say, well, that's kind of audacious for you to say that. Why would you say that? Because we're not really good at producing fruit if we're truly believers. And that's what Paul's getting at here. He's saying slothfulness is a big deal. He's already addressed it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. If you want to, it's just a little bit to the left in that book. If you want to connect 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians, his first letter, Paul says in chapter 5, verse 14, he says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn people who are lazy. That's kind of fun that we get to tell people they're being lazy. Be careful with that, by the way. Um, that can get a little sticky. And then he says, encourage those who are timid and take tender care of those who are weak. But I want you to be patient with everyone. So it seems that if we look to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, that the first letter didn't do the trick. Sometimes you have to write something over again. And so here's the second call. And Paul speaks with concern. He's going to correct a little bit. He's going to give God-honoring advice. And he's going to clarify this battle that we have with idleness. How do we overcome idleness? Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Big numbers are going to be the chapters. Smaller numbers are going to be the verses. Verse 6. Now, we command. Notice how his tone has changed. It was a suggestion first of all. Now it's moved into I command you, right? It's like a parent being stern. I asked you once, now you're going to go do this. Brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and is not walking in accord with the traditions that you have received from us. Verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. It's okay to imitate people as long as they're imitating Jesus, by the way, because you were not idle when we were here with you. We didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But we toiled and we labored and we worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9. It was not because we don't have the right. It's interesting how many people this week I've heard say, I have the right. Mm, We forego our rights in a relationship with Christ. Just because we have the right to do something doesn't mean we should do it. But to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Those are powerful words. How do we overcome idleness? Well, the first thing that Paul says is he says we have to imitate the right people. In verse 6, the first part of verse 6, Paul wants to clear up any confusion, any failure to listen to his previous instructions about idleness from the passage we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He wants to make sure that the church knows that his words are not just opinions, but look at in verse verse 6, it says that they come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, believers were to rebuke. Now, if you want to, you can circle that word. The New Testament's written in Greek and the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. And sometimes we do these things called word studies where we figure out what a word means. And the word rebuke is really interesting. It is the word adiketa, which is like a soldier who is unwilling to stay in rank while everybody else relaxes. Or excuse me, while everybody else works. That wouldn't work, would it? (laughs) these people, among other people, what was happening in the church of Thessalonica was they excused their behavior. They said, we're waiting for Christ's return. I've never had anybody say that to me in the ministry yet. I think that'd be really funny. Like, hey, do you want to serve in children's ministry? I don't think so. Why not? I'm just waiting for the Lord's return. I might use that excuse (laughs) before you guys do. But that's what was happening. People were looking at it, and they were saying, we're waiting for Christ's return. Or what they would do is, get this. They would look at people who are asking them to serve, and they were saying, that is too unspiritual or low for us. We're not going to do that because it is too unspiritual. The work of the Lord is to lay up treasures, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, in heaven. And not on earth. And these people looked at it, and they said that we're going to wait to lay up our treasures in heaven. And we're going to wait for the Lord to come back. And Paul took his words up a notch, and he says, if people say that to you, if somebody looks at you and says, I'm going to relax, I'm going to wait until Jesus comes back, the work that you're doing is too low, he says in verse 6, keep away from that brother. And the word brother there is believer, Who is walking in idleness and not in accordance with the traditions that you received from us. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's two things. Number one, he says, keep away from idlers. Now, if you've been around here for a while, you have heard uh, my view of circles in regards to friendships. There's three circles. Think of them like a target. The middle circle is a circle of intimacy, which is reserved for your spouse. You only uh, have one person in the circle of intimacy. That is your spouse. Then beyond that circle, you have what is called the circle of influence. Jesus had 12 guys that he influenced, and he allowed them to influence him to a certain extent. You're not Jesus. I think you could probably do three to six well. And here is what we're talking about here in regards to that middle circle, the people who influence us. Another circle on the outside of it is our circle of concern, and that is reserved for people who don't know Christ and we're concerned about them. And Paul says, in regards to that middle circle, that circle of influence, if there is somebody who is walking in idleness, they need to move outside of that circle into the circle of concern. This doesn't mean we excommunicate a lazy believer, but instead we would draw from fellowship with them. What Paul's saying is, he's saying, cut off their support. If you look at verse 11 in chapter 3, he says, These lazy people refuse to work, and not only do they refuse to work, think about this church, in regards to the people in your circle of influence, they meddle in other people's business. How many people do you have in your life who are prone to gossip? In the spirit of love, the best way to deal with somebody who meddles in somebody else's affairs, that's Proverbs 26, by the way, is to not talk to them. Don't give them anything to meddle about. When one finds themselves with nothing to do and hearing uh, nothing in regards to meddling, the hope and prayer here from Paul is that they'll find a more constructive use of their time. If you are around people who are gossiping, your job is to stop talking and to walk away. If you are around somebody who refuses to work, your job is to stop talking and to walk away. And Paul says, you should imitate people who work hard. So think about that circle of influence. Who is in your life? Who's a hard worker? In 1 Thessalonians, Paul describes how he and Silas and Timothy, remember, there's that we, try, there's, there's three authors here, who worked during their stay in Thessalonica. Where do we learn about that? Well, that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says they weren't idle, but they worked in their giftedness. Paul was a tent maker. He was really good at it, too. He could have probably worked for uh, Coleman or something like that in regards to uh, an industry if he were alive today. But he didn't take food. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, he doesn't eat anybody's bread or lodges without paying for it. Why? Because he doesn't want to be a burden to anyone, but he wants to pay his own way, especially since the Thessalonican church is young. There's a lot of immature believers here, and Paul doesn't want to take advantage of them. Now, Paul... And all of the other missionaries, they had the right to expect lodging and food in exchange for their ministry. As a matter of fact, they did it previously. In Luke chapter 10 and 1 Corinthians chapter 9, most traveling preachers did exactly that to live. And there's nothing wrong with paying your pastors. John, amen? amen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just and you're still there. <laughs> In Philippians chapter 4, Paul did just that. He accepted gifts from people. But here, he chooses not to because he wants the gospel to spread for the right reasons and it not to be hindered in its progress. Now, notice this. Paul says, if accepting food and lodging hinders hinders the effectiveness, then we waive our right and will pay our way. That should be the same with us and for your friends. And for your friends, friends. That if we are in a place and a position where the gospel is hindered, then we will rave our right to do so. I would challenge you in regards to the consumption of alcohol. <clears throat> Prevalent things we have in our society. I would challenge you in regards to the content that you consume with your eyes in regards to streaming services. I would challenge you in regards to just the fact that you have the right to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. Paul says, I waive my rights and work to pay my way. And that me and Silas and Timothy are an example to imitate. Let me just ask you this. Bethany already said it. This sermon's going to be convicting, so if this is your first week, welcome. <laughs> but are you that way? Are you an example to imitate? Would people say that about you? Would they look at you and they would say, I want to be like this person because they look like Jesus? You can imitate people like Paul and Silas and Timothy. It's funny. I I heard a person say one time, they're like, well, I don't like to mention uh, my pastor's name a whole lot because he'll get a big head and he'll become prideful. And I said, hey, if your pastor's following Jesus, that's great, good. It's not just pastors. I said, "If if it's your spouse or if it's your friends or whoever the case may be, if there's a person in your life in the circle of influence who acts like Jesus, talks like Jesus, looks like Jesus, is a hard worker, follow them. Because they're leading you to the right places. There's nothing wrong with praising the Lord for the people who populate the path that you're on. Who are pushing you to become like Christ. Dorothy Sayers said it like this. She said, work is the natural exercise and function of man. Work is not primarily a thing that somebody does to live. But the thing one lives to do. It is or should be the full expression of the worker's faculties, the one thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction and in the median of which he offers himself to God. Can, can I like say something that's gonna be really hard for you to hear? In Genesis before the fall, Adam works, which gives us good insight that after we die and we're present with the Lord, we might Work. But it's not a work that is laborsome. It's a work that will be fulfilling. We love to labor for the Lord. It's a good thing. So Paul says, imitate the right people who are pointing you to Christ. Imitate us, he says. And then verse 10, let's stay focused on the right things. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Whoa. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but your busybodies. I love that Paul builds them up in the first two chapters of the letter, and he waits till the end to kind of bring down the hammer here. He says, no such persons we command, verse 12, and encourage them in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. But as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in what? Doing good. Paul says, let's start at verse 10. Anyone who is unwilling to work shouldn't eat. Now, here's the crazy thing. Paul's stealing from secular society here. He's taking a quote off somebody else's social media post, and he's putting it right on the pages of the text for us. That's a secular saying. It was a theme in the New Testament about the working class. All he did was he took it and he applied it to the life of a believer, and he shows that laziness in any form isn't acceptable. Believers are known. Ready for this? We're known for a couple things. Number one, we're known for our hard work. Did you know that? If I go to your workplace, or if I go, if you're a stay-at-home parent, to your home, you should be the hardest worker there. Some of you stay-at-home moms are like, Chick, I'm the only person who works there. (laughs) (laughs) We should be known for our hard work, number one. Number two, we should be known for our kindness. Number three, this one's a hard one for me, we should be known for sharing our possessions. I hate sharing my stuff. Always have. Number four, we should be known for our willingness, willingness to take care of people and not take advantage of them. To put it bluntly, Paul says lazy or unwilling workers shouldn't be given food. So if you don't work, you don't eat. That's kind of fatherly of Paul. Now, let's be careful with this because I can just feel you wanting to take this to your workplace tomorrow. <laughs> I could feel you guys wanted to put it on the walls of your uh, mantles in your living rooms. We have to be careful with this verse. Some people are willing to work, but they are unable to due to disabilities or lack of training or even job availability. So Paul's words are directed for people who are unwilling to work when they have both availability and opportunity. That's the key word there. This phrase does not hammer on the poor. It doesn't even come close to it. So Paul says in verse 11, this is really interesting. He says, don't be a busybody. In Thessalonica, in Thessalonica false teachers claimed that since Christ returned, get this, if Christ could come back at any day, people should eliminate their daily responsibilities, quit work, do no future planning, and just wait for the Lord. You guys try that. Let me know how that works out. <laughs> He says, you shouldn't do anything. You should just sit and be and stream Netflix all day. Or right now media for those who are believers. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the crazy thing is, I did some research. It took way too much time and I shouldn't have done it. But these people still exist today. There are groups of people out there that are like, we're waiting for the second coming of Christ. They don't do anything. As a matter of fact, I wondered how they got a website because somebody had to do the work there, right? But false teachers said that meticulous or earthly labor was beneath them and their time shouldn't be spent being spiritual busybodies. A spiritual busybody is a person who, pays no, pays, uh, who paid attention to other people's business and pried into another person's private life. This led them to sin and they became a burden to the church who was supporting them. They're wasting their time when they could have been helping others using their giftedness for the gospel. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are responsible for one another, not to care for lazy people who meddle in the affairs of others, but to work hard so that everyone will be taken care of. It's super hard to not be so curious about what everybody else is doing. Now, here's the crazy thing. Paul looks at verse 12 and he says, don't be a busybody, be a hard worker. And I love this. He says, work quietly and earn your own living. To the hardworking believers, those who weren't lazy, Paul said, he encouragement? This would be a huge encouragement. Verse 12 and 13 is very encouraging. Do your work quietly, earn your own living. Don't grow weary in doing good. In other words, Lazy people should not cause you who are hard workers to become dispirited in their work. Those of you in your workplaces, this is how this looks. Stop paying attention to the person who is on your right or left on the line who isn't doing their fair share and you do yours. Or you go above and beyond and you do more. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, we don't look at the people who aren't doing the work, we do our work. Paul wrote the exact same thing. It's almost word for word in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we reap a harvest if we don't give up. Paul knew that as believers, we become so easily discouraged when we try to do the right thing, the godly thing, right? And we receive no word of thanks or see tangible results. I mean, how often does this happen in your life? You do the right thing, you're doing a hard work, you're doing labor, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, how come nobody looks at me and says, good job, way to go? Are you ready for this? That's life. High fives leave when you become an adult. They just vanish. There's some times where I have to go and look at myself in the mirror and I go, hey, Jordan, you're doing a great job, buddy. (laughs) High five. And I break the mirror. There's not gonna be people, and I know this is gonna be so discouraging to some of you, even though you're doing a good job, that are going to come to you and say you're doing a great job. But let me tell you something. If you read your word and you spend time in prayer, you'll hear the quiet voice of God that says, well done, keep going. Paul knew that we as believers become easily discouraged. And that's why he challenged the Thessalonians, all believers today, keep doing good works. Trust the Lord for results. I love Matthew chapter 6, our Lord's words. Then the Lord will reward your works. It doesn't say man will reward you. Paul had much to say about works, and while he taught on faith comes before works. Listen to this. this. This is where I'm super concerned about our current society. Genuine faith always leads to works of obedience. I just had a discussion last week with an individual who looked at me and said, "I might contemplate Christianity if I would see Christians being like Jesus." Whoa. They said the majority of people I see who call themselves Christians are the laziest people I know. We're saved by grace through faith, but with an expected result. I know you know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but I think we miss verse 10. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one should boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to what? Do good works. We're created to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Good works is work. (laughs) But when we work for the Lord, it's not laborsome. We're not saved by works, but we are saved to do good works. And we do good works, we don't give up. No matter how tiresome the work or annoying the recipients are or the lack of applause that we get. We labor for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, this is an encouraging sermon. I'm glad I came to church this Sunday, right? Paul, any any encouragement? Yeah, verse 14. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Verse 16. This is the, the encouragement right here. And The Lord of peace himself will give you peace at all times in every way. That's encouraging. That's so encouraging. The Lord will be with you all. Paul is so good at rebuking people and then just picking them back up after he does it. I'm horrible at it. (laughs) He says, let's maintain. Watch this. Don't be idle, imitate the right people, stay focused on the right things, maintain a spirit of discipline. Paul repeats everything he's already said when he closes out the section. Look at this, verse 13, work hard. Don't grow weary in doing good. Number two, don't support the lazy, that's verse 14. Verse 15, warn everyone. And the hope, the hope, listen to this, the hope is always that idle people would become ashamed of their actions and become so physically hungry that they would be forced to become, that come back to work. (laughs) Essentially what he says is hunger and loneliness are effective ways to make an idle person become productive. Moms and dads, kids can't clean their room, just stop feeding them. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know how that works. I legitimately thought that and repented at the same time when I was studying for this. I was like, should I stop feeding my kids? In the first letter, Paul gave a spoken warning, but that wasn't enough. So here he commands the warning be essentially acted out physically. Now look at 14. I love 14. It says, take note of that person. In the Greek, that's one word. It means withdraw or not keep company with that person. Take that person out of your circle of influence and put them into your circle of concern. Now, the purpose of this is to cause them to be ashamed. We're not good at this as believers. Like, as a matter of fact, like, this doesn't sit right with us. We're like, isn't Jesus like about love? Well, you got to understand your definition of love, all right? Love is, uh, it can be very warm, but love can be tough. And here Paul says, this is tough love, and the purpose isn't to make them an enemy of the church, but through the sternness and the withdrawing of fellowship, to warn and admonish them as a brother or sister who is stumbling in a loving way. Calvin says it like this. He says, the intention of this type of excommunication is not to drive men from the Lord's flock, but rather to bring them back again when they have wandered and gone astray. This type of excommunication is to be distinguished from anathema. And basically what he's saying is, he's saying, we can still love people even though we distance ourselves from people. And we have to communicate to people why we've distanced ourselves from them. When you follow Jesus Christ, let me just tell you this for the young believers here who just come to know Jesus, your friendship circles will change immensely. People who you thought were going to be your friends, they're not your friends anymore. People who you thought were going to be close to, they're not going to be close to you anymore. As a matter of fact, I wish somebody would have told me this about elementary school, junior high, high school, and college. (laughs) We're supposed to be friends forever. You know how many people in high school told me that, hey, we're going to hang out all the time? I don't hear from any of them. I still love them, but I outgrew them. And there's some people in your life that you let hang around, that you're outgrowing, and you got to let them go. And that's hard. As believers, we've got to be extremely careful with this, especially in financial support. Some of you who are family members, you're supporting somebody who's very apathetic or lethargic, and you've got to cut that person off. That's tough. People in Thessalonica had, no doubt, family members who they supported financially, and they were becoming a drain on them. Paul essentially says, it's time for you to cut them off. And he's not advocating for coldness or cruelty. These people aren't our enemies, but more they were just misguided and mistaken. And we don't throw these people out of the church, but we give them a good dose of tough love. Tough love is not preached a whole lot in the pulpit. But that kind of love should be shown to a believer who needs to be warned. The same is true with somebody who sins. This is how we sharpen one another. This is the iron sharpening iron. This is the tension that is needed. So basically, we tackle laziness head on. We put in the effort and the hard work. We walk and we pray. So how do we do this? How do we overcome apathy? Well, here's the deal. If you're in that camp, if you're idle, right? And you find yourself, you're like, I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> First of all, that's hard. When you see that, you think to yourself, oh, I'm in trouble. What am I supposed to do? Let's start by becoming active and obedient, whether that's in reading the word or spending time in pray, or maybe it's serving in the church. Maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, I don't contribute, I just consume. Well, let's work on contributing and what that looks like. Focus on the call and the commands of God that are outlined in his word. Now, here's how this kind of lands for you guys who are at Community Gospel, and I say this as gracious as I can, but are you busy for the right reasons? Because I think in, in our church, I love that you serve for the gospel. But sometimes I think you're serving for the approval of God instead of for the glory of God. And I say that as your pastor as much in love and in the same boat as you. There's some times where I'm serving the Lord specifically to be busy. So I don't have to think about the things that are really transpiring in my heart. Where God looks at me and he says, Jordan, you need to slow down and see the reason that you serve and why you serve. Is it for my adoration or is it for your own excellence? Because there's some areas that we serve for our own acclimates. And that is in the same camp as the lazy or the busybody person. You have to get to the root of laziness when we realize we have responsibility. And walk in obedience. The Lord will continue to equip and enable in ways that we couldn't even ask or imagine. So here's the thing. Remember, it's about sticking to the things of God even when it's tough. Yes, routine is important. And staying accountable to self and others is important. And is also an offering of worship. We have to embrace that. So we lean into the Lord and we ask him for help with these things. let's pray Through this text together. Heavenly Father. We hear and accept the commands of Paul. And Silas and Timothy that were given to them. By you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask God that you would help us to keep away from any brother or sister. Who is walking in idleness. And not in accordance with your word. That we have received. God, we ask that you would help us to have people in our circle of influence that we could imitate, who are not idle, who withdraw their rights for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask, God, that if we don't have people to imitate, that you would bring them into our life. And we ask for help that you would move people out of our circle that are maybe lazy or a burden that are weighing us down. God, that's a hard prayer to pray. We ask that for ourselves, too, as well, that we would not be busybodies, but we would work for the gospel that you have given to us. For the reality is, some of us, Lord, are in somebody else's circle. And they're thinking about removing us. And so we ask that you would transform our heart. And we would repent from those idle ways. And that you would encourage us. To get back to work for the right reasons. We ask God in our service to you. That we would not grow weary in doing good. God we ask That you would help us to realize that when we are on the right track, sanctified and set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is peace. So, would you give us that peace today? Would you remind us in ways that only you can? And work in us and through us. That all that we may think, say, and do is done As an act of worship for the gospel that we have received. May those who don't know you come to know you as Lord and Savior today. And may those who know you continue to be transformed. By the renewing of their hearts that only your Holy Spirit can accomplish. May we lean in and listen well. And may we not forget what we were taught here today. But may we take it out and live it out. Until you come again or call us home. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.